We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today is another exciting day where we get to break down our July breakfast with Pastor Marty Sloan. As always, I have Matt Schrader here with me today. Matt, say hello to everybody. Hello, hello. Of course, great to be with you again, Evan. Yes, fantastic breakfast this last July with Marty Sloan, Pastor Marty Sloan from Illinois. A great message. Looking forward to breaking it down with you. Yeah, so I think uh, kind of jumping right into it, he... He officially kind of like said what I've 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 noticed about the breakfasts breakfasts about the breakfast for a long time, which is man that it, it's a tough crowd. <laughs> I feel like all his jokes fell pretty flat, uh, not because they were bad jokes, but I think everyone was just kind of like still a little bit asleep. So uh, I, I would like to speak on behalf of Brotherhood to uh pastor marty and say hey sorry about that we know it's a tough crowd we know it's a tough audience you got to combat that early in the morning but the good news is is that we get to jump in and kind of dig apart some of the things that that he spoke about and uh you know what the interesting thing for me was because he was actually he was actually it was like a shorter a message than normal and I kind of walked away from it and I was like, okay, like, I, you know, I'm not sure how much we're going to be able to talk about. And then as I kind of played it over and started taking notes and digging in a little deeper, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of meat here. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that he kind of blazed through. And I'm really excited that we get a chance to to talk about it because uh, there's a couple things, I don't know, like the weight of it was pretty heavy after I kind of reviewed it. And so I, I don't know if Matt, I don't know if you, you got that, that part out of it like I did, but uh it, it got it got intense quick. Yeah, I mean, I took some good notes, three solid points about leadership, but really about discipleship, you know, and really even those points, as I know we're going to get into them, those points each had, had an A and a B, and both of those A's and the B's are very arduous tasks to tackle and accomplish as a man. So, yeah, he really dropped some um, great wisdom, some great knowledge and lots to chew on and think about. And if you haven't listened to the podcast, go back and uh, take a chance and listen to it because it's good. It'll uh, it'll give you it'll get you something to chew on and something to challenge you. Yeah. Well, I think the title for this was, you know, pretty simply stated, stand and be the man that God is looking for. He lost me a little bit when he started kind of talking about the different guys. But then, I, you know, after some review, I kind of got pulled back in. But I think he, he based most of it on, on Chronicles 16.9, where he says God is looking for men fully, uh, fully committed to him. He's, he's searching, uh, searching about for, for guys that are fully committed, for people that are fully committed to him. And that, I mean, if you were to break the Bible down, I mean, that, that's, that's really a lot of what I get from, you know, God's word when, when, it, when you're trying to look at the character of God. Like he wants us to pursue him. He wants us to have that relationship with him. He doesn't want it to, to be a, a simple, you know, I believe in God and then now I'm going to carry on my, uh, with my life. But I think that, you know, sometimes we, we, we kind of gloss over that. It's like, yeah, like, God, I believe in you. Yeah. Like, I know that we need to do that. But I mean, the way that he's kind of posing it is like God is actively searching, which tells me two things. One that not everybody is pursuing God, right? Like he wouldn't have to actively search if he, uh, yeah. if there was all those kinds of people out there. And so it, it, it's, it's more of a rare thing, but if we are pursuing God, like it's, it's noticeable, right? Like we stand out, like we, we become the change makers. We, we become the, the, the persons that's going against the current. And so in that regard, I think it does stand out. I, I think too often, when we kind of talk about some of these men that, that he highlights, he's, he's talking about the, the, the world around them and then them themselves. And, and I think he picked these different people specifically because the, the world around them was different for pretty much every guy. There was either a perfect world or an imperfect world. Uh, but when you look at kind of the decisions that those guys made and how it impacted their family, uh, that's, that's where the difference really stood out between, you know, the guys that were making a difference and the guys that were kind of going along with the flow. But uh, to dive a little deeper into kind of the, one of the, the biggest points that resonated with me is 
where we talked about the choices that you make today impact generations, no matter what stage of life you're in. Uh, that that one was, the, I think, probably the first part of like, you kind of snuck it in there and said it. And we're like, yeah, I get that. Like, I'm, you know, I'm making decisions and, and I, you know, I felt like he developed it a little bit, but kind of the more I marinated on the, the weight of that statement, <clears throat> I got a little, I got a little overwhelmed <laughs> if I'm being honest. I was like, ah, oh, crap. Like every, every decision I make impacts generations. It's not just, it's not just like, you know, my own survival or, or not just, you know, me, whether or not I, 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 get through the next day or, you know, I, I achieve whatever level of success that I'm, I'm trying to achieve. But man, those decisions have, have ripple effects all the way through multiple generations. And if I'm being honest, I don't think about, I don't think about my decisions and I don't think about life that way. Unless maybe that's something that you do. It's just, it's not something that like just regularly is in the back of my head going, all right, like if I turn left here, I mean, that could be it. That, that This could be the major decision that everything hinges on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I have a love-hate relationship with this message, this portion of said Christian message. Not anything reflecting on Marty, Pastor Marty Sloan, but growing up in the 90s in the community, and I know we grew up in the same time, same city, but maybe my community, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a lot of that message of, you know, what you do today, your decisions right now, they impact eternity. And, you know, we were always, everybody was speaking the message, live for your legacy, build beyond, you know, go, you know, leave inheritance to your children's children and big dream type stuff. It fits into the big dream theme of the nineties. And I bought into it and I, that's the wrong phrase. I, I doubt, I said, all right, I'm going to do this. And I submitted to it that idea behind doctrine and Christianity that, you know, the eternal weight of glory, all these things. Now they're all true. Like I'm not disputing any of them. The Bible is very clear about leaving an inheritance to your children's children. That, that theme that he talked about is all throughout the word of God, that your obedience today or disobedience in this case makes a difference in who you are and then who you impact and who you influence and then who those people become, particularly the people in your own house. So back and forth throughout my years, of life, like what I remind myself of and what I learned to remember is that God has a very long arc of sovereignty. And as much as he brought out Adam and Noah, as much as their actions impacted the world as a whole, and we look at usually very singular decisions that we look at them as this one decision, Adam sinning and then Noah building the ark, it impacted to a great amount of people for a long time. Well, yes, it did. But that decision is grouped with a series of decisions. And I, I may I, it's hard for me to speak from Adam's standpoint because that story is posed as a one-decision deal, and it really was a one-decision option. But multiple decisions after that are what lead to a group of people that God can now choose to bring in and usher in the redemption of Christ. So I did. I in the 90s, you know, my, my 20s, I trained myself to think as if every decision was long standing. And the challenge with that was it made me feel too, too bad, for lack of a better phrase, about poor decisions and not good enough, really, about good decisions because they, or maybe um, not good enough, not the right word, uh, putting too much importance on good decisions. And what I've learned over the years is that there's a lot of decisions we make and they all impact, but they're, you know, if you go Abraham, he talked about Abraham. Abraham made a lot of back and forth decisions, good decisions, bad decisions, good decisions, bad decisions. And because God is sovereign and can move the checkers around how he desires, he can take our choices and then impact uh, his overall will. It doesn't minimize the fact that my decision to be present with my children is very important because it leads to another decision. It leads to another decisions. But it does bring up that if I haven't been present up to this point in my children's lives, I can start tomorrow, and that makes a difference. So my decisions haven't been so weighty that it's all over, but the, they lead to better decisions, and the good decisions I make 
are really for me steps to another good decision, to another good decision, to another good decision, which then overall impacts my family. And it's just hard for me to take in the concept of impacting my grandchildren right now. It's more important, I guess, is the better way to say it, for me to take in that my impact decision right now impacts my next decision, which impacts my next decision. Man, I feel like I'm swimming. Can you get me out of this? Like, I feel like I'm drowning. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm making I think, sense. I think, it, I think it's a couple of things. I think, uh, you know, when they talk about habit, right? Habit mm, yeah. is, a, is a bunch of uh, uh, small decisions that kind of keep pointing you in the same direction. So, you know, that's that slow obedience. But, you know, so the, so the small decisions do add up. Uh, but there's also be, there's going to be times where you're faced with a big decision, where you really have to kind of step back from it and say, okay, like – do I take this job in a different state or do I, you know, from a family standpoint, like, you know, do I ask this girl to marry me or, you know, who am I like, who are the people I'm surrounding myself with? And, you know, I, there, I think sometimes like those are things where we're like, okay, like this is a big decision. But I, I mean, I think at the same time it could be, you know, am I taking time to every morning to pursue God? Like that, that can be a small decision <clears throat> that, compounding is, is a big decision. Uh, you know, am I, am I including God in, in the decisions that I make? Uh, or am I trusting in myself and my own ability? You know, I think there's, uh, I think there's kind of multiple parts to that, that, that all add up. So if you kind of pull back and be like, all right, am I going to order a, a double cheeseburger or a single cheeseburger? Like this is going to impact my kids. Well, maybe from like a heart attack standpoint, maybe, but I think, you know, kind of pulling back from it, I, I think what ultimately the point is, is that you have to be intentional mm. with the decisions that you make. Uh, you need to have uh, an idea uh, and, and, and put some thought and some effort into really kind of pursuing God uh, and pursuing like kind of the life that you want to have. Uh, because, you know, from a, from a sports standpoint, you have to make that decision to practice. And if you make those decisions to practice, to have that self-denial, to, you know, spend the time and, and, and effort to become, you know, conditioned or, or to have that muscle memory to be able to do the things that you want to do, that's going to put you in a situation that, you know, hopefully, like, you can depend on that and know if I do this, this will happen. And you have a confidence with that. So you're going to be bold. You're going to take bigger risks. You're going to go, uh, you know, try for more difficult competition. So yeah, all of those things kind of added up, I think are really just, if anything, uh, designed to kind of take you to a place where you'll step back and say, okay, I need to, I need to kind of think about the decisions that I'm making and I need to recognize that they do have weight and they do have impact kind of tying into what, what, uh, Marty was kind of alluding to was, you know, looking at these, these, these four different guys in the Bible and looking at the world around them and the decisions that they made, I think there's definitely big decisions and small decisions in it. I think, for example, uh, Terah, Abraham's father, I think that was a smaller decision compared to Noah building the ark, right? So Noah following God, listening to God, and all of a sudden he's going to build a boat that's going to be enormous because there's rain coming, which uh, I think I think the uh, the conventional knowledge is, is there wasn't like rain like that historically. So, you know, he, he looked like a pretty crazy guy right off the bat doing something along, along those lines, talking about, you know, flooding and rain and all that. <clears throat> Whereas Tara, he had a, a, I think he said something to the effect of like a, a, a child who had died in that city. And so he just kind of stopped there. He was just like, all right, I'm not going any further. I'm just going to stay here. And, you know, this is, this is kind of the decision that I'm making. Um, all those different decisions did have impact. You know, Noah's uh, decision definitely had impact. Terah's decision, Abraham's father, had impact. Uh, and then Abraham, you know, he, he had a pretty significant decision, which was, I got to trust God that I can become the father of many nations when everything and circumstances around him didn't add up to that. Like, I just don't, I don't see how that's going to, that's going to work out. So for him, it's, I got to trust God. I got to follow God. 
uh, and I'm going to respond to his leading as opposed to kind of what everything around me is telling me. So again, I, I feel like you kind of have to weave in and out of, there's definitely some big decisions that are, are going to come. And I think some of those decisions become like, you know, it's a big decision because you've been an intentional, intentionally seeking things. Like when I, when I talk, uh, when I think about, uh, you know, when people talk about luck, they say luck is where preparation meets opportunity. There's no such thing as actual luck. Well, I, I would argue that, that that's similar in this instance where there's a preparation of like vision. Here's where I want to go. Here's what I want to do. Here's what God says about me. Here's the life that I want to live, no matter what culture says. But when that opportunity comes along, I can see it. Like I know it. It's, it's not a situation where I'm sitting back going, how in the world am I going to get from you know, point A to point Z? But I've already gone point A, B, C, D, E. So that jump to Z is no longer there anymore because I've been following that path. I've been, ta- I've been making those small decisions. I've been going in that direction. I've been pursuing God and knowing his leading and, and knowing that, you know, this is who God says I am. This is the times that I've had to trust God and he's come through for me. This is what the voice of God sounds like. This is how I know, uh, you know, where he's leading me. This is, you know, the purpose that he's put within me. These are the... Uh, characteristics and and strengths that he's given me it all starts adding up and you're like okay yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go and do these things i'm gonna pursue these things and i think that's where hopefully we can kind of pull this back together and say you know from the weight of the decisions to the impact of the decisions that's that's where all those things tie together but really it comes down to like us us as men us as leaders us as brothers are going to naturally be in these situations and we are going to have to make those decisions and what marty's calling us to do and what god's calling us to do is is stand up say i'm going to be the guy that makes those decisions i'm going to be the guy that recognizes what's going on here whether it's a spiritual battle whether it's a uh just a major decision that you have in your life recognizing that there is a larger picture here and if I'm just making the decision of like, I'm going to procrastinate, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to push it off, or I don't, you know, it doesn't matter, I'm apathetic, that's a decision too in recognizing that you're making that decision. So hopefully that tied it back together. Yeah, yeah no, that's good. That's good. Uh, good summation of that communication of the impact of our decisions. I mean, really, that's that's good. I liked how he brought that into at least the next few points. Um, I, I wrote this down. And you just mentioned it in the midst of that. We all have a decision. I think this is what I tried to take away and was trying to get to earlier is we all have a decision to respond to God above us instead of the world around us. And that I think when we're looking at things through that lens, we at least get an indication of where to go, no matter if it's that cheeseburger situation or the situation of who you're going to marry or larger ones that we recognize more quickly as larger decisions that make a larger impact in our life. Yeah. There's, there's, that's, I, that's where I was kind of talking about in the beginning, kind of the meat of this is, is just really kind of stepping back and, and recognizing that, you know, there's, there's so much more going on yeah. and, and having yeah. the ability and the vision to, to really kind of see that. But, we talked about this in previous podcasts too. Can God, like no matter what decision you make, can God still work in that? What if I make the wrong decision? You know, we're, we're going to put a lot of weight on these decisions that we make. Um, and if we're pursuing God, I think that I, you know, God hasn't has, has a plan and a purpose for us. And there's definitely like a, like we want to fulfill that to its greatest extent. But, you know, part of, part of that, the thing on the other side is like, all right, so let's say, let's say, you know, I'm a guy in the room and Marty's kind of, you know, making all these different statements and, and I know I've been making a lot of wrong decisions. You know, I, I know that I've kind of screwed up here and, you know, it's I, for whatever reason, I heard there was a free breakfast and I showed up, right? Breakfast was amazing. But now I'm listening to this guy basically air out my dirty laundry and kind of say, hey, like you've, you've kind of, you know, you, you need to be intentional with your decisions. I have not. You need to know that, you know, we need guys that are going to stand up and lead their families well and do these things. And, and you're kind of doing a little inventory in your head. You're going, I, I have not done a good job of that. Like, I recognize that now. I kind of suck. Well, oh, well, too bad. 
what's the point now, right? Like, I think that that's the part where, you know, we, we get into a situation where we start to put limits on God. And, and so not to say that there's like no consequences and God can kind of work through anything. I, I think that, you know, definitely God has the best plan for us. And if we pursue that, then we can really fulfill that. But I also think that there's times that we need to recognize that, that God is big enough to work no matter where you are at in this decision process, right? Like we can make change. I think about, uh, you know, that organization Hope is Alive, where they're really helping people get through recovery. Well, you know, I've, I've been to some of the houses. I've spoken to some of those guys. There's guys that are older. There's guys that are younger. You can't tell me that the guys that are older who finally make a decision to get sober, to get clean, right? that they have not made long-lasting change and potential impact on their family moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, God's able to use that situation. And, and you know, there's still time for you to make those decisions, for you to stand up and say, all right, starting right now, I'm going to be very intentional with the decisions that I make moving forward because I do recognize that it, it will impact generations. And yep. God is looking for guys like me. And I've failed at that for the last 20, 30, 40, however many years. I recognize that I failed at that, but right now I'm going to start making a difference and making the changes, the necessary changes in my life. And when you do that, that can make that lasting difference. And and that's what God's looking for. He's not going to condemn you for making the mistakes. He loves you. He created you. He he has a, a plan and a purpose for you. And so he's not going to give up on you. You know, they the Bible talks about how, you know, God stands at the door and knocks, and he's patient. Love is patient, and, and he's, he, he has a, abounding in grace. Well, you can't tell me that, that a God who's abounding in grace is going to rub that stuff in your face if you've taken too long to make that decision. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, know, there's, I know that there's hope for you know, even a guy like me who, for the most part, feel like I've, I've, I've kind of gone in the right direction, you know, that slow progress uh, you know, up and to the right. But I, I can also look back and say that, you know, there's a lot of times where I screwed up. There's a lot of, there was a lot of wasted time. There was a lot of poor decisions that were made for my own selfish uh, reasons that probably are not getting me to, you know, the, the true fulfillment of what God created me to be. And, I, you know, if I, if I focus on that, I'm just going to be depressed all the time, right? <laughs> like I'm going to be like, oh, man, I screwed it up. Like there's so much more I could have done. And... I can't look at that. All I can look at is moving forward. The decisions that I make right now and and really pursuing God so that we're in harmony with what he has planned for me and what he has for us. So and and I think that's why he brought up the analogies of the different people. You know, Adam, you know, we give I I think we justly give Adam like kind of a, a hard time cuz you know, he's he's kind of like the first guy that screwed things up, right? But he was in a perfect world, and he still screwed it up. Like, we're in an imperfect world, and we're still screwing things up. And God was still able to use Adam. Uh, God was able to, like what Marty said, he was able to show him his redemptive power, which is awesome. So God can still reveal himself through us, and we can still learn about God, even in our weakness, even, in, even when we don't make the right decisions. So I'll tell you the most powerful statement for me, at least in the first half, was... These phrases right here is he's talking about the different guys, different Bible stories, different characters in the Bible, what they did, decisions they made. And he pointed out, we've said it a couple of times, but I just want to highlight this, that Adam was disobedient in a perfect world. Noah, obedient in an imperfect world. Like that contrast really hits home for me, the ability for me to make a decision that is godly no matter what culture happens to be stating at the time. If Adam had the capacity in his choice to look all around, walk with God every day, and still make a selfish decision, that reminds me that I'm never in too good a place spiritually. I'm never in too good a place in a mental soul health standpoint. I'm never in too good a place in my relationships. I've never attended church enough. I've never... I've never done all the things that I need to do to feel confident that every decision from this point on is going to be a godly, unselfish one. And in contrast, when things are going poorly or in an imperfect world, 
I always have the power, no matter what I'm currently facing from a culture standpoint, and even what I've done in my own practice and habits, even if I haven't spent this time that I need in in God, and I haven't done the time of taking rest and uh, meditating on the Word of God, even if I haven't, and I've been, I mean, you could go as far as been rebellious, chose not to do the things of God. I still have that capacity and power in that moment to start making a choice towards godliness. That was impacting to me as far as my choices, how and how much, I guess the word's power, feels a little bit overused, but how much capacity I have to make the right choice in any given situation. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the, uh, like one of the definitely big points that he made was that capacity for choice that you're talking about. I mean, he, he's, he made a couple of statements that I, that I really latched onto. One of them was who you are on the inside has zero to do with the, with the world on the outside of you. Uh, and I, and I think that that kind of ties into that capacity because I think often we, we, we look around at our surroundings, we look at our situation and go, Oh man, like I, I don't even feel like I have a choice in this. Like, I feel like the world's going this direction. It's, you know, it's all, it's all on fire and burning and there's nothing that I can do. Well, I think what Marty's point was and and then in that statement was that we still do have that choice. We still have the ability to make that decision. And because we're, we're different on the inside, it, it doesn't matter what's, what's going on in the world around us. We get to pick, we get to choose who we are. Like, that's the thing that we have control over. Like, you know how people always talk about like the the power of choice and like how impactful that is for mankind and for humankind. It's like, yeah, but we get to choose, right? Like that's the power of choice. You can choose to love God. We can choose not to. Well, that, that choice kind of, again, that it, it rolls into multiple things too. Like we choose to decide like which direction we're going to go. We, we, we have that ability and that capacity to do so in, in such a way, such a powerful way that, that God has given us that choice. Like a creator of the universe who, according to the Bible, loves us unconditionally, has given, given us the ability to say no to him, right? <laughs> has given us the ability to turn our back on him. I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty impactful. But he's also given us the ability to choose him and pursue him, even in a world, even in a situation where we, we don't feel like we have a choice, even in a situation where we are potentially going against the grain, we still have that choice. We have that ability. And I think too often we just go on autopilot and we allow those choices to happen around us. And I, and I think that's where, again, Marty is saying, like, we need guys who are going to stand up. We need guys who are going to recognize that there's a bigger play here. There's a bigger uh, event that's going on and we see it. We're tuned into it. We're intentional with the decisions that we make. And those are the guys that we're looking for to the extent where he's talking about leading ourselves, right? We have to get into a position where we recognize that if we lead ourselves well, we can lead our families well, and we can lead our church as well. And I think that's, this, that's kind of the, the, the other really meaty topic that you know I'd love to get your thoughts on is recognizing that to be good leaders, we have to have the ability to lead ourselves well. Uh, make those tough choice, choices, have that self-denial where we're, we're saying no to things that we want to say yes to or standing up for our beliefs in situations where it's uncomfortable uh, so that long-term we can lead that through our families and we can lead that through our communities. So those points he made, lead yourself, lead your house, lead your church. I particularly liked how he brought it, brought a statement immediately after that. That was an action statement that I would first do to lead. So let me lay a better foundation on this. A lot of times my first perspective in leading is how do I get other people to do said thing? And I've failed majority of the time trying to get other people to do said thing. I don't know, you know, if you're a working genius guy, and you follow Patrick Lencioni with work, his work and genius stuff. He calls this galvanizing. Galvanizing is my lowest talent, my lowest ability. And galvanizing is that, op- that ability to get people excited about doing 
something, anything, didn't matter what it, what it was. You just had that natural, uncanny ability to get people fired up about doing things. So on that, I have, I'm as low as you could possibly get in my personality. So in addition to not being very good at it, I tend to, I have in my life have come off the wrong way, I guess, just trying to get people to do things. And it was disappointing for a long time until I realized that my first step in leadership was to lead myself. And he, he mentions that. So in each of these, lead yourself, lead your house, lead your church. This following phrase is actually something I would do my own individual action. That is that first step. And then getting people to come, that's a whole other art. It's a whole other uh, different way to go about things. But, you know, he said lead yourself and he said devoted discipline. So immediately, when it, so when I hear lead yourself and I'm, what I'm concerned, I guess better said, what I'm concerned other people hear when they see lead yourself is, okay, if I go do this thing, now my family will. If I start going to church, my wife will start going to church. If I go to church, my kids will go to church. And a lot of times our focus is on just trying to get them to do what we know is right, even though it's out of love. It's out of consideration for them. It's out of a true desire as a husband or father to be like, hey, this is the right direction. I want you to go that way. If you're listening, I want you to look at your actions and are you doing those actions because they're the right actions for you to walk in that direction with the expectation that hopefully your family and coworkers and whoever around you will follow? Or are you doing them because, hey, this is the right direction. I need you guys to follow. See, they're slightly different, but they are different. So when I look at leading myself, devoted discipline, that helps me focus on, okay, what is devoted discipline in my life? That is what leading myself. That moves on into leading others. In this case, his next point was lead your house. He, he says, and I know I'm going through everything, so you have to break these down to what you <laughs> had, but lead your house, consecrated life. So instead of lead your house is where it gets difficult because lead yourself, it's right there in the phrase, just me, just me, just me, right? But lead your house. Now I'm like, okay, how do I get my kids and my wife to do the things that I know they're supposed to do or I think they're supposed to do or maybe I just want them to do? Well, the answer is, or the first step, I would say, is a consecrated life. So then that narrows my focus back to me again. Okay, am I living a consecrated life? Yes, will that spill out to my family? Yes, will it spill out to the people around me? Yes, but it only spills out if I'm truly doing it to serve God, not doing it so that they will do it. That's the key to distinction. So you're having a tough time leading your family out there. You're having a tough time getting you know, let's say your kids in this situation, getting your kids to walk in the way they're supposed to. My first step is checking myself. Am I walking in the way I'm supposed to? Because that is just serving and submitting to God, not as an example so that they'll do it too. Even though most of the time our heart is right in that situation. And then on lead your church, that went through me because, you know, when you first hear lead your church, you've got to start deciphering, well, pastors, are they leading the church? Who's leading this church? Like how... What's outside of leading from behind that idea that, you know, I first learned from like John Maxwell and it gets sported around a lot of different leadership circles in that I, maybe I'm not the top decision maker, but I can impact and influence the top decision maker and influence the people around me. I can lead from behind that situation. Craig Rochelle, Craig Rochelle champions that idea quite a bit. Well, dedicated involvement, getting involved in my church, being in that space and walking with that consecrated life and devoted discipline begins to uh, was a guide, not guide, uh, direct and impact the people around me, which in that case is my church. And it adds another follower, another person in there walking in a consecrated life to say, I'm walking in the way of Jesus, whether or not, irrespective of my church family, my pastor, whoever. Well, you get a lot of those people, a lot of those men set a, across horizontally in a church, and that church is moving the right direction. Even if in this case, or I guess my opinion would be, in this case, the top is not moving the direction. You're in a church and you go through a situation where your pastor turns out he hasn't been doing what he's supposed to be doing. There's some stuff in his life that disqualifies him either permanently or for a bit for the pulpit. Or turns out he's not, maybe he's just not qualified and talented a leader enough to lead that church in the way it needs to be. God put him there, but he's still working those skills up. You can step into those roles and say, listen, as a man, I'm going to lead my church and move it in the right direction. I even think, I started thinking of that in ours because we've got a pretty sizable church. And I think the impact of me making one difference is, you know, it's, that's not a very big difference. 
But me, beside you, beside somebody else, besides AK, you know, Church on the Blue Brotherhood, that really begins to create a force and something we see, we've seen in our church. So if you're going to our church, Church on the Move, then you've probably seen it or recognize it. If you're not, then it's something maybe consider. A group of men in your church, a large group of men going in the right direction makes a huge impact in the direction of that church. So all these ideas of leadership become more about the steps I take individually that impact the people around me rather than the steps I take to try to get the people around me to do what I know they should do. I hope if you're listening, you can see that distinction. I think, Evan, you see it, but. (laughs) Well, you're talking about two things. Uh, Well, there's two things that kind of stood out to me in what you were saying. One, you're talking about brotherhood. Like, I know we say church, right? But like, if we were kind of like, taking a step back from it like we need a brotherhood like it's it's another case for the importance of having a brotherhood i mean marty even gives like a really good analogy of like a situation that he was in where he was just like hey we're two guys going in the same direction we need to lead each other well and you know i i'm gonna speak up when i don't i think you need somebody to speak up to you and you know he gave a really good example of that but that's to me like he's describing brotherhood it's accountability it's uh, us kind of all striving in the same direction. It's us pursuing Christ together. And if we are encouraging each other to make the right decisions and lead ourselves well, then a lot of that stuff follows. And, you know, one of the kind of earlier parts where you were talking about the difference between, you know, being a leader and trying to get people to do things and kind of the nuance between those two things, I think, what stood out to me was in one situation you're inspiring people and another instance you're manipulate, trying to manipulate people. Yes. And I think people are really smart for the most part. Yep. I think people are really smart uh, and they can tell the difference when they're being manipulated or being inspired. And the interesting thing is like, I'm inspired when I see somebody basically doing something that, I didn't think was possible, right? Or they're doing something that is extremely difficult. Uh, they're, they're doing things that require a lot of talent or a lot of time and commitment. And you're sitting there going, wow, that's inspiring. I want to do that. I want to learn how to you know, play this instrument. I want to learn how to do this sport. I, I want to learn how to, you know, just, I just want to pray out loud like Matt Schrader prays out loud. Cause when he prays out loud, I can feel the Holy spirit coming in. Like those are the kind of things that like people are inspired to do. But if on the opposite side, you're like just telling people what to do and you're not willing to put in that time. You're not willing to make that sacrifice. They're going to be like, okay, yeah. Uh, on paper, we should do this. And I'll probably, and I'm, I'm probably gonna do that. Cause you know, when I think of leadership, I'm thinking like, you know, a, a role in a job where people are getting paid. So they're going to do it. Right. But they're not going to do it because they're inspired to do it, which means that the quality of the work is probably not going to be as great, which means that their hearts aren't going to be in it. And you're not going to you're not going to accomplish the full uh, the full effect of what you're trying to accomplish. You may be mediocre. You may you may just get it done, but it's not great. And that doesn't mean that you're a great leader. It just it just means that, you know, you were you know, you all kind of did did what you were supposed to do, but it, it, there was nothing great about it. There was nothing exceptional. I don't, I don't think God works in mediocre. I think God works in excellence. And so part of this from a leading ourselves well, he wants excellence in our lives. He wants excellence in our families, and he wants excellence in our churches and our communities and in our brotherhood. So <clears throat> if we can see those things and and we can see that, you know, really it comes down to us again, going right back to the point that what Marty was saying is we got to, we got to, he needs people that are going to stand up. They're going to take a stand and they're going to say, yes, I'll be that man. I'm going to be that man. Who's going to lead myself. Well, who's going to sacrifice, who's going to pursue God, who's going to, you know, make the, make the tough decisions and also make the, the small decisions that are the decisions that I know that are going to get me in the direction that I want to go. Like I'm going to have focus and I'm going to have aim in what I do so that I can inspire other people to do those things so that I can lead my family well, so that I can have the kinds of relationships that I want to have. And guess what? I want to put my, I want to intentionally put myself in a position 
from a vulnerability and an accountability standpoint to say, I give you permission to speak into my life. I give you permission because I know the importance of getting my self-leadership right, that if you see a blind spot in me, you see an area where I'm struggling or I might not even know that I'm struggling, to call that out and to bring that to my attention so that I can, I can have that full 360-degree view of my life and say, is, is all 360 degrees of my life pursuing Christ and what he has for me? Or am I, am I getting pulled in a direction to where I'm not accomplishing what God created me to be? I, that's, the, that's the brotherhood part of this. That's the, 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 the tying into just the, the focus and, and that self-leadership. Self-leadership and personal accountability are things that I think self-leadership, like we're all like kind of on board with. We're like, yeah, like you got to lead yourself well. But the personal accountability, the self-denial, the, the saying no, uh, the self-discipline, that's I don't feel like that's, you know, puts as many butts in seats in church. It's like, hey, guess what? Like, it, you know, you play a big role in this, right? Nobody wants to say it's my fault. But in some case, it is it is your fault. You've made those decisions. You've you've gone down that path. So that's that's a little tougher message to hear. But if you if you hear that message from a position of love and intent to where it's like, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to bring these things to your attention, not to chastise you or not to embarrass you, but because I believe that God has more for, for you and I believe that we're trying to go in the same direction. Th- that becomes a different conversation. It's no longer of like, you know, Matt's trying to tear me down, right? It becomes, a, you know, Matt cares about me so much that he was willing to have a really uncomfortable conversation with me to say, hey, I, I think this is an area of, in your life that you really need to tune into and, and really make some decisions because I, it, it goes against everything else that you're doing. So over here, 90%, 95% looks great, man. You're, you're choosing to pursue, pursue brotherhood. You're choosing to pursue Christ. You're choosing to go to church and, uh, you know, and, and you're leading that with your family saying, Hey guys, I'm going, whether you're, whether you're going or not, like, you know, those kinds of decisions. But over here, you know, you're treating people horribly or you have a, a horrible temper <laughs> and nobody can talk to you because for whatever reason, like you just, you're all of a sudden in a corner and you're fighting your way out. Like what's, what's the deal with that? Because I know that this is the direction that you're trying to go, but I don't know if you see this. And, and I think it's important that somebody tells you and, and walks through that with you and, you know, hopefully holds you accountable so you can, you know, work and build on that part of your life. And, you know, for us, again, that's brotherhood. That's, that's, that's the capital B brotherhood, not the breakfast. The breakfast is great. You know, the speakers are there to inspire, right? They're, they're there to, you know, shine a light on some areas where we, we want to basically say, okay, like these are some areas that, you know, from the speaker's perspective or experience that they've learned from, you know, I, I would much rather learn from other people's failure than my own, but I recognize that, you know, through that path, I will have my failures. I'm going to learn a lot from that, but I, I can also learn a lot from, from a speaker who's, you know, coming up there and sharing their story and some of the struggles they've had. That's, that's the part of brotherhood too. But we, as uh, a community, we, as men, we, as, we, as a brotherhood, we need to make sure that we're, you know, standing true to that, that question that he asked at the end, like, you know, who, who's going to stand, you know, and I'm pretty, I didn't look around much, but I'm pretty sure the whole room stood. So I think oh, we yeah. were all on the same page, right? Like we want to, we want to per- actively pursue that. Um, but also like there was a little bit of peer pressure there. If I'm being honest, like nobody wants to be like the last no, you don't the be that guy. in the chair where everybody else around them is standing. Right. So, so for the, from a, you know, visual standpoint, everybody stood up from a mental standpoint. It might not have been the same. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, I listened to what Marty said, I'm listening to what you guys are saying, I'm still a little bit on the fence. That's okay, you know. This is one of those situations where you have the 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 chance to decide. This is a this is a a big moment for you. Is is this the moment where I say, okay, like I'm I'm no I'm gonna I'm gonna get off the coattails of my parents' faith or my friends' faith, or just the faith of uh, my pastor, and really start to pursue Christ on my own because I feel like 
you know, from a church standpoint, that's that's the that's the difference, right? Like when we, t- we at Church on the Move, we talk about real Jesus, like our real Jesus experience, right? That's the personal experience, not the corporate experience. The corporate experience is like, you know, we, we go to church and there's music and they're calling us to worship and we're creating an environment for that. We're listening to teaching. We're you know we're hearing about the Bible. You know we're hearing some theology or some, you know some scripture and and kind of like discern discerning what it means. That's great. You're you're hearing about God, but you don't have a lot of your own personal relationship with God. And I feel like that for a lot of people is a very there's a big difference. There's a big gap between the two. Like you have your you know Sunday Christians, and then you have your real Jesus, you know. Uh, Jesus followers. And that's, that's from a brotherhood standpoint. That's where I hope that we're inspiring from a self-leadership standpoint, (laughs) inspiring other people's to pursue God. Cause you know, God, he's already done it all. Like there's, there's nothing left for him to do. Like he's already forgiven you. He's already died for you. He he already loves you. I mean, he's, he's already done everything. So it's our move. (laughs) Like there's, it's up to us. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Matt Schrader? What are you going to do? Uh, I'm leading myself. I'm going to lead my house. And I am going to lead my church. That's a... Uh, that is... Actually ties into what God's doing with me over the summer in intentional habits. And looking at what I do, why I do it. And then choosing some habits, choosing some actions, and understanding why... I go about doing those. Now that sounds easier than it actually is in execution, but over time looking at making sure what I'm doing is intentional and as my, are my decisions reflective of where I want to be in life and more than just goals, five-year plan, 10-year plan, all that. Yes, it is that, but more than that, where do I want to be in my relationships? That is what I'm doing a lot of thinking and praying about Am I making decisional, decisional, intentional decisions with my kids? And that gets heralded, but if I opened up the screen door to my life a little bit, I'm really good and naturally my personality lends itself to modeling. So I was telling Jessica the other day that I realized my way to lead my house spiritually, financially, is to do good habits in front of them. So that means waking up, prayer each, not every morning, but prayer often, uh, sitting down and praying in a very real way for over our food, over um, cuts and bruises. And when I say very real way, I don't mean every single time. I mean only when I think it's actually an intentional effort to connect to God. So that modeling is done almost though on autopilot, if that makes sense. Like I can just kind of naturally, I like that. It, it doesn't require a lot of risk from me because there's not a lot of, you can model without connecting. So you can do the right thing in front of your kids and in front of your wife and kind of, you know, do the dishes, do all these things, different things on purpose and still not have a lot of mental energy devoted to what is God doing in their life. So I'm aspiring to train my mind to be praying and thinking and listening on a regular basis to be like, okay, what is Augustus coming up to? It's going into second grade. I want there to be more thoughts than just that. You know, there's lots of jokes about, you know, dads not really knowing a lot about what's going on at school and what's going on. And that's natural. It happens because moms fit so, so much easier into that world. But I want to challenge myself to not be, the, I, I mean, I'm not really aspiring to know every assignment and all those other little details that come across the board, but I am aspiring to make sure I'm dialed in involved and involved, dialed in and involved to what they're going to go through emotionally, socially, spiritually, you know, what's all you're going to face. And, you know, second grade, it could be ninth grade. If you've got older kids, uh, I've Evan, I know you've got like fifth or sixth grade kids, um, I got, a, I got a freshman. I got a freshman and a seventh grader. Oh man, I'm, I've known I'm you too the, long. I'm in the high school world. Wow, you wow. do you really have a freshman? Wow. Yeah, I got a freshman. Well, I mean, he hasn't like walked in the door for the first day of class yet, but yeah. Yeah, but that's like two weeks away. So I mean, I know, I know. he's there. He's like he's. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
yeah, it's um I guess I only yeah, think I'm old you, man. It's man. Good thing there's not an age group on Brotherhood. Yeah, no kidding. That's a good thing. Out. Uh, wow. So so yeah, you're in a little bit different demographic than I am and I will readily recognize that my space of parenting right now is far less confrontational than what you're entering into <laughs> where they start having their own mindset, their own ideas, their own opinions and all the little things that uh, come about. I will say this though, the, a lot of the groundwork that is laid in the first, uh, you know, 10, 10 years so far, not an expert here, but so far, a lot of that groundwork gives you that access and that influence in the older years. So, you know, the decisions that you're making right now, going back to what Marty, uh, Marty said, uh, those decisions that you make right now to like, Hey, I'm going to have conversations with my, like, I'm going to have natural conversations with my kid when they're younger, asking about their day, you know, being interested in them, uh, you know, being willing to listen, spending that time just, you know, doing the things that they want to do, even though there's a lot of things that I want to do. Like my, my biggest example of that is there's a lot of times that my kids have been in the garage with me when I'm trying to fix stuff and I halfway know what I'm doing. I, I mean, but for the most part, I don't. Um, but then they're like literally right there. They're wanting to, they want to spend time with me. They want to know what I'm doing. And uh, so many times I had to like stop myself and say, okay, allow this project to take longer, allow them to do some of the work and allow this to be a teaching moment instead of a, Hey, why don't you go inside? Like, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm kind of mad cause I, I can't figure it out yet. <laughs> yes. And then you're in here asking me all these questions about how this thing works. Uh, I, there was so many times that I just, I just wanted to be like, just go inside. Just, you know, just, just leave me alone. Let me do this. But instead I chose to, you know, allow, allow them to do some of the work, even though like, you know, they're just painting or they're just, you, they're, they're doing the one like satisfied thing, which is like, you know, they're putting the cover on or something like that. They got to do those things to now, uh, you know, my son, he's figuring out how to do stuff on his own. Like I've basically taught him, I'm not going to take full credit for it cause I'm sure he figured it out on his own too, but I created an environment where he recognized that like, Hey, things can be fixed. And I can figure it out. I know I have the tools to do it. I can figure it out. Really? So he's he's fixing things. He's fixing up a boat. It's almost it's like a forty year old boat. He's fixing it up so that he can yeah. So my fourteen year old son owns a boat with it with like it has a title in his name, and he's completely replaced all the wiring. Like I told him a couple days ago when we got the 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 title for it. I'm like, man, I'm so proud of you. Like this is this is awesome that you like figured out how to do this stuff. He was talking about some electrical stuff in the boat where like I'm sitting there going, Oh, like there's been times when I've just haven't touched that stuff. Cause I think it's like super complex and like, he just figured it out. And I'm like, I'm going to ask him <laughs> what he did so that we can fix some of the other stuff that needs to be fixed. And it like, it was no longer intimidating for him to do that stuff. And it's no like we're inspiring each other. We got our own little brotherhood going on just between the two of us. But some of that modeling, some of those decisions and, 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 put, and putting that time in early, uh, that has created an environment now where I, I believe he has the confidence to like, hey, I can, I can figure this out. I can walk through it. I can go to him and ask him about stuff uh, because there was a lot of times that I was uh, actively spending time with him that it's, it's no longer like, oh, dad, you don't know. You don't understand. Like, it's not, it's not that, like, at least not yet. Um, but I feel like we can have some of those conversations to where he'll, he'll still allow me in to whereas when I was a kid, I, I, it was probably a little opposite. Like, I'm like, yeah, I know, like, I didn't want to have those conversations with my parents and not to say they didn't try to like, you know, invest in me early. It's, it was just different. So, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to have that kind of relationship and I would encourage you from a, from a brotherhood standpoint, challenge you. Like these, this is the fruit that I've seen from some of the stuff that I did though, you know, some of those little decisions that we made early to now going into fresh, uh, having a freshman who probably thinks he knows everything that I still have a little bit of influence in his life. And I can kind of say, Hey, this is really important. And I need you to weigh this decision a little bit more heavily and know that he'll actually take that into consideration. And that's good. That's good encouragement. 
that's really good encouragement. Yeah, man, that's, man, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a very cool story. I mean, there's so many good fatherhood points in that moment, even to not a lot of kids at 14 are putting together a boat. That takes a perspective of life. And you have to go beyond widget punchers, just get that straight nine to five, work at a fast food, do the standard kid stuff or whatever. So however you did it early on, and no doubt he's probably got some natural inclination in that as well. But, and I don't mean in the ability, I mean in the thinking of thinking big enough to think, hey, I could do my own boat at 14 years old. Sometimes I think, man, we limit our kids so much. Back in the day, you know, centuries ago, they're at war, they're leading platoons at ages you'd be like i'm sorry what you know that's awesome man kudos to you man credit to you as far as doing the right thing and being obedient i mean i wasn't trying to brag about it dude it's it's one of those things where it's it's a prime example of kind of what i think you're you're alluding to is you know recognizing that you know some of those small decisions that you make some of those uh some of those early years right now where you're really heavily investing choosing to invest in your kids it pays off and it's really important. But again, you know, this is, this is all you're, you guys are hearing brotherhood in action right now. Yeah. Like hopefully I'm inspiring Matt, uh, to kind of, you know, get off the couch, stop being a lazy bum and, and really start I'm not investing there. in his kids. So, you know, and, and I'm able to kind of give a real life situation of that to, to hopefully where he's like, man, this is something that I definitely want to do. And, and that's, that's kind of the that's kind of the goal of brotherhood. Am, am I perfect in what I do? No, like I've screwed up a ton. Uh, but you know, long term, you know, there, there can be some really cool results where it's like, hey, like I wanna, I wanna pursue this, uh, this similar path because I, we're we're trying to accomplish the same. We're trying to launch kids, right? Like we we want we want them to to go out and and provide for themselves and be, you know be good self leaders of themselves and and their families. Right. Like that's what we want. And so, you know, for us, I'm going to take all, I'm going to take all the expertise and knowledge and everything that I can get between, between now and, you know, when my kids go off and start their own lives, because man, there's, there's so much that can be learned from that. There's so much that can be learned from what Marty is talking about here, just between the, the, the five, the four examples of the, of the guys that he, he brought up in the Bible and then really just hitting on the points of self-leadership and, and what true leadership is. Because when you tie all that stuff together, you know, that's, that's brotherhood. That's, that's pursuing Christ, which is really kind of paramount to all of it. And everything else kind of falls underneath that. But until you decide like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to actively pursue Christ when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient, the inconvenient part I think happens the 99% time, the, the convenient part <laughs> is the 1% of the time and, ch- and choosing that, that path through brotherhood and choosing that path through, you know, listening to guys like, like Marty. I, I think that's, that's really what our goal is, is, is we want, we all want to get there. And I think we all can. And I think that's what part of God's plan is for us. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. hundred percent agree. hundred percent. Well, awesome, man. I, I love that we actually, we talked more about what Marty spoke about <laughs> than he, than the length of time that he actually spoke. Uh, but I think that's just kind of a testament to how much like it was a compact and very intense message. Um, but I think really the goal is to kind of step back from that. And, and the goal of this podcast is to, to take that time to dig a little deeper, to read, to read kind of along the lines of, of what, not just what he said, but what he meant and when we can do that, I think that's where, you know, there's, there's so much more value to, you know, some of the messages of the speakers that we have, like, especially when you look at all of it. And I, and I think through all of it, we're able to see those, those clues that success leaves behind those clues to brotherhood of pursuing Christ and, and how we can all become better Christians, better men, better leaders, all of those, all of those things as we, as we go on our different journeys. So. With that, brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.